Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. And I hate saying this about a player while he's active, especially. What does Sony Michelle do well exactly? What does he do above average right now at the position? You know, to me, this is a much bigger commentary on the Patriots. And this is the reason Tom Brady's not there anymore. Tom Brady restructuring the deal, constantly restructuring his deal. Okay, go spend my money. You're not getting me anything because you're not getting me anything in the draft. The Patriots spent a first round pick on Sony Michelle. Bill Belichick spent a first round pick on Sony mm-hmm. Michelle. He just got back two late round picks for him. And, and he really didn't do much while on the Patriots. That's why Tom Brady's not there. Because Bill Belichick failed to draft offensive talent, and he failed to use the contract restructuring of Brady to go get Brady offensive talent. Well, there's Max Kellerman of ESPN. I'm not really too into the, the whole Brady commentary. Henry, we've kind of been there, done that. But uh, he's talking about Sony Michelle. One thing I do agree with Kellerman on is that this ends up being kind of a bust, right? You, you draft a guy in the first round, and then you unload him three years later, still in the prime of his career, age-wise at least, and you only get back, at, at most, a fourth-round pick. So, you know, at the end of the day, Michelle, that draft pick, officially a fail now. Kellerman's kind of stretching things a little bit. I think there are, are threads of truth in what he's saying, in that Belichick, Belichick struggled to surround Brady with young talent, and, you know, Isaiah Wynn is a pretty good pick. He's a good left tackle. Not great, but he's good. And, but, but you look at the other two first-round picks that were offensive players, and it's Nikhil Harry, who is likely to be traded, and Michelle, who was traded. Why? Because he's getting outplayed by a third-round pick in Damian Harris. And like Kellerman said, Sonny Michelle doesn't do any one thing well. He's sort of an all-around back. That's what Harris is good at. And again, third-round pick. That's all it took to get him. And then you look at the niche guys who are better at Michelle at one particular thing. So Ramondre Stevenson, a rookie fourth-round pick, already better than Michelle in the power run game. And honestly, might even be better than Michelle in the receiving game. Um, that's kind of to be seen. But putting it all together, better, better than Michelle in the red zone specifically, which is where I think Stevenson will be used the most. And then you've got James White, who's probably the best pass-catching back, third-down back in the league. And if he's not the best, he's, he's at the very least the most well-rounded because he's an extremely talented pass protector, which is vastly underrated for running backs. And then you got Brandon Bolden, who's a special teams contributor and sort of like a part-time running back, if that, depth player. And then J.J. Taylor, who Patriots fans may only sort of know, but he's 
sort of he's a sort of Dion Lewis type. Doesn't quite have the same amount of explosiveness and agility, but has a little bit more power. So he's just he's a slightly different back, but but still kind of that undersized, make you miss, change of pace back. So that's what they have. They have this group of niche players with Damius Harris as the top do it all back. And then you got Sony Michelle, who's worse than Harris. And ultimately they decided Michelle was expendable. Now, Kellerman's comments about how Sony Michelle has never done anything and is worthless, or I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I mean, that's just not true. Um, that's revisionist. Sony Michelle was a large reason why the Patriots were able to win the Super Bowl against the Rams, of all people, who acquired him. I mean, Michelle scored seven touchdowns in the playoff run, including the Super Bowl, where he scored the game's only touchdown. So he has significant value, uh, or at least did at that time. And obviously he's been sort of inefficient and hurt and whatever. And at the end of last year, he finally started to come on. And in the preseason, we've seen more of that explosiveness but I think the Patriots ultimately had to cut their losses here. In the tweet that Ann Rappaport put out there where he, he said, you know, the, this compensation is kind of complicated, but at the, at the end of the day, it's Sony Michelle for a fourth-round pick, and he says it's solid va- value. And I just don't understand that piece of it. I'm like, solid value? Like, Pat's drafted him 31st overall, right? So, I mean, how is that solid value for a guy that you got in the first round? But uh, – what do you think this means for a guy like J.J. Taylor? Does this, does this make him a lock to make the roster, Henry? I mean, we know Stevenson's going to be on the roster, obviously. I, th- I thought J.J. Taylor was a guy that was probably you know, competing for a job. I, does this make it so he's now got to make the 53? First, talking about the compensation, just so Patriots fans know, the Patriots have a conditional fifth and sixth round pick in return for Michelle. However... If the Rams get a compensatory fourth-round pick for Josh Johnson, who left in free agency this offseason, in in the 2021 offseason, the Rams will be rewarded that fourth-round pick in 2022. As soon as they receive that pick, which is what they're projected to get, it will then become the Patriots, and the Patriots will no longer get the Rams fifth and sixth. So unless it's a major surprise and somehow the Rams and Patriots have misprojected the compensatory formula, which is possible but very unlikely, this will be Sony Michelle for a fourth. And running backs are like new cars. As soon as you roll them off the lot, they're worth, what is it, like 70% of what they were. As soon as they're used, they're, they're not worth what they were. And that's why you don't draft a running back in the first round. That's why that was a major mistake by exactly. Belichick. You just, exactly. you just don't do that. It's not necessary. Michelle was, was one of the highest paid players you know, at his position almost instantly. Uh, and and if, if they've taken a different player at a different position, they have better value. I mean, we've been over this a lot, but the Michelle pick, you know, through no fault of Michelle's actually, I'd say in some ways, was just a big mistake from Belichick. And then Michelle couldn't deliver on lofty expectations for running back. So uh, what does this mean for J.J. Taylor? Well, J.J. Taylor still, I would say, got about a 60% chance of making the team. The reason is that he's an undrafted guy, so there's a chance he clears waivers. 
And if he clears waivers, he can end up on the Patriots practice squad. And then they can elevate him um, at least three times. And then if there's an injury, they can sign him to their active roster. Now, teams can sign Taylor off of the Patriots practice squad, and they could potentially poach him at any point during the season. But there's a chance, I'd say, that he could make it there. And that would be why they decide not to keep him. But he has played well enough that, like, a team like the Jaguars, maybe, who need a running back, they might take a look at Taylor, a guy who's been very productive in preseason, and they might claim him if the Patriots cut him. So the Patriots have to make that tough decision. You know, do they roster an extra running back? Because Bolden, Harris, uh, White, and Stevenson are all making the team. So if they take that fifth guy, that's a heavy running back room, especially because they're probably going to roster fullback Jakob Johnson, and that's a, that's a big group. It's going to be a run-heavy offense. So in my mind, it's more likely than not that Taylor makes the team, especially now that this Michelle situation is in play. Yeah, I like it. I think it's hard not to root for J.J. Taylor. He's been kind of awesome this preseason and, and what we've been able to see as fans watching the games. And, uh, you know, another thing we're seeing, Henry, is Mac Jones just improving every single week. And he was awesome against the Eagles, right? I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat how great he looked. Uh, he looks like he's, you know, he, he's a little injured. I, I don't think, I think that knee injury is a thing. We're going to have to monitor that thing. But, man, he, he looked awesome against the Eagles. Looks like the real deal. <laughs> looks like he fits this offense and this team just perfectly. And, and you can feel it, right? The confidence in him and, and the entire team, the things the players are saying. Uh, everyone's kind of rallying behind Mac Jones here. And it, it's interesting because... Cam Newton missed a bunch of time this week because uh, of COVID protocols. So Cam's been out. We're right in the middle of the week right now. So Cam is supposed to come back for and join the joint practices with the Giants on Thursday. But Mac has basically been getting all the first team reps. And you talked last week about the Patriots kind of accelerating Mac Jones, how you would not rule out seeing him play in week one of the regular season, which I thought I opened the show saying there was no chance of that. You said, oh, no, 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 you wait. Wait a minute there, Ryan. Um, and, of course, you just come out looking like a genius as usual, Henry, because this is exactly now it does seem like it is clearly an open quarterback competition, which is what you wrote. I think Belichick's been trying to at least hint otherwise throughout the preseason. But you've kind of you were hard on this last week, and I think you're going to you still be on it. Obviously, this is now an open quarterback competition and Mac Jones has a real shot. I was starting to feel like Cam Newton was getting a firmer grasp on the job after the second week of preseason. We saw Newton do a lot of things well uh, and actually none of them were running the football. He hasn't run the football once this preseason. It's a, it's a good point. I've noticed been, that too. Yep. Yeah, he's, play, he's played five total series and he hasn't run the ball. I think he's only got two or three incompletions. Um, I mean, he hasn't thrown the ball a lot, but, but that's still pretty good. And he's moving the ball well, and he seems to have an increased command of the offense. Now, against the Eagles, he's playing against backups, and against both teams, he's seeing vanilla coverages, meaning no defense is going to put anything complicated or interesting on the field because – they don't want to tell their future opponents in meaningful regular season games what kind of schemes they're going to be using to confuse quarterbacks. So it's really simple stuff usually, and 
that's a part of what the context you need to know when both evaluating Cam and Mac Jones for their performances in the preseason. Everything's dumbed down. Everything's simplified. But all that said, you know, Cam came out of week two, in my mind, of the preseason looking better than Mac, only slightly, but enough for it to be like, okay, all right, Cam, Cam's like got the upper hand here. And then Cam accidentally violates NFL protocol, I believe on Sunday, by skipping a COVID test. He didn't mean to do this, but he was traveling to see a doctor, according to NFL uh, Network's Ian Rappaport. And on that trip, Newton took a COVID test, but it was not the brand of COVID test that the NFL accepts. And so when Newton came back and presented his negative test result, the Patriots were like, what are you talking about? That doesn't work. It's not like a, you can't buy a ticket here and use it there. You know what I mean? Right. So they were like, well, you violated protocol. And because Cam is, this confirms that Cam Newton is unvaccinated. And because he is unvaccinated, he has to spend five days away from the facility taking a test each day to confirm that he is not COVID positive. If he were vaccinated, this would not be a problem. Vaccinated players don't get tested every day. Vaccinated players do not have to have any travel restrictions. Um, vaccinated players, therefore, do not have a reentry process because it's not a concern uh, about missing daily tests. So essentially, by choosing to be unvaccinated or not fully vaccinated, that's the language in the NFL, technically Newton could have his first shot but he is not fully vaccinated, he has put his job in jeopardy because he will miss Monday, Tuesday, and today is Wednesday. He will miss three practices, and so long as he's not COVID positive, he will be back at the second joint practice on Thursday when this podcast will publish. So uh, in the three practices that Newton has missed, Mac Jones has looked better and better. And most importantly, he looked absolutely stellar today. I was at, I was at joint practices today. Mac was uber efficient, uh, didn't throw any interceptions. There was one ball that could have been intercepted by safety Xavier McKinney, and McKinney dropped the ball. But otherwise, Jones was owning you know, the 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. And that will be Mac Jones' game for maybe the next year or two as he begins to develop, you know, as a more confident passer. But that doesn't mean he's not capable of pushing the ball downfield here and there, and he's very smart about when he does. We saw that in the preseason. If people have been watching closely, they'll remember Christian Wilkerson's drop in the end zone in the first preseason game. They'll remember actually a, an overthrow Gunnar Olszewski, also in the first preseason. Bad pass, but a good uh, idea from Mac Jones. In the third game, we saw deep pass to Nikhil Harry, where, you know, maybe he should have caught it, honestly, by not diving. And by diving, he hurt himself. So we've <laughs> seen Jones. Yeah. We've seen Jones push the ball downfield, like one, let's say, one every 10 passes. Uh, and then otherwise, he's really efficient. And, and today it was like one every four passes. He had one really nice deep ball to Jacoby Myers. And all you fantasy football players out there, draft Jacoby Myers and thank me later. I'm telling you, 
whatever you do, you must draft Kobe Myers. Now, I don't know if he's going to be a stud for the entire year, but for the first eight weeks of the season, you will want him in your lineup, especially in PPR formats. He is the second coming of Danny Amendola or, or Wes Welker. He's like a pretty pure slot guy, um, not quite like Julian Edelman, who is really versatile, more versatile than those other two guys. But, man, Jacoby Myers is going to be good. So, anyway, back to Mac Jones. Uh, I'm waxing poetic about all these guys. But, yeah, Mac put together a really beautiful drive with a 30-yard, 40-yard play to Myers, who, who really went up and caught the ball, jump ball with two defenders in the area, and Jones finished uh, the drive off with a touchdown. That's in joint practices against the, the New York Giants, and some people say that these joint practices are more important than the preseason game. So a huge day today, Wednesday, for Mac Jones. The door is absolutely ajar, and, uh, you know, yes, yeah, so the Pats are, are practicing against the Giants. Who would you rather have Henry right now, Mac Jones or Daniel Jones? Oh, my God, it's not, it's not even close. Not even, not even close? It, it, was, it was, like, remarkable how different they looked today. Daniel Jones, just not accurate with the football, not very decisive. Mac Jones, pinpoint accuracy, major command of his offense. And it was just, I don't know, I, I, I found myself watching the Giants, and what I was thinking about was, man, it would really be a bummer to be playing for New York and have Daniel Jones be my quarterback. Like, <laughs> like I just, I, I, was like, I was like sympathizing for these Giants players. Like, who, like Kadarius Toney and, uh, you know, and Kenny Galladay and these guys. You're, Kenny, you're feeling yeah. bad for them, yeah. I've, I just, yeah, I was like, man. Meanwhile, I'm looking at Mac, and I'm like, dang, like this kid can play. And and Cam Newton is, is technically the starter still. Like, this is the Patriots' backup, and he's playing better than the Giants' starter and clearly has more potential as a, as a pure pocket passer. Now, Jones, Daniel Jones, is much more mobile than Mac Jones is. But when we're talking about those two, they're both pretty pure pocket passers, and so mobility is less of a, a factor you know, than it would be for a, a true dual-threat quarterback. That's, that's not what Joe, Daniel Jones is. But there is uh, – I'm keeping – I'm going to keep telling long stories, so forgive me for, for being long-winded there. But, it's a podcast. Go for uh, it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I own this thing. No, I'm just kidding. You're <laughs> – it's a team. We're a team. Uh, We're a team, but I just facilitate the conversation. You bring you bring all the correct takes because you're usually you're the right. Point guard. Yeah, exactly. You're like Mac Jones at Alabama, and I'm like Devontae Smith. I'll take that. I'll take that. Thank you. The, the two Joneses, Daniel and Mac, were actually they're each running a two minute drill at the same time on separate fields. The Patriots has two practice fields. They run parallel to one another. So it's kind of a cool moment where both Daniel and Mac started their two-minute drill at the exact same time. And they're both going against the number one defense, and they're both the, you know, the number one quarterback of the day. And Mac drives the offense directly into the red zone, scores a touchdown. He didn't get a two-point conversion, but it was an extremely efficient drive. Uh, I believe he was 4 of 4 he took a sack, and he benefited from a holding call that 
nullified his only incompletion. It was defensive holding. And then he finishes with a touchdown. Meanwhile, Daniel Jones was just getting into the red zone when Mac Jones had finished his drive. Daniel Jones goes four and out in the red zone on what was clearly a gotta-have-it drive where, you know, you don't go for it on fourth down if you can just take a field. So they're emulating a sort of, like, fourth-quarter situation where you've got to score. And so, yeah, it, Matt Jones got into the end zone against Giants number ones, and, and Daniel Jones could not. And there was just it just felt like a, a moment of, uh, where Matt Jones's career is sort of on this upward trajectory and Daniel Jones is, is not. Really fascinating stuff. Uh, coming up next, I was going to throw my fantasy football question of the week at uh, Henry, but he already answered it. It was going to be about Jacoby Myers, who you talked about a little bit last week, Henry. You, you kind of let it slip that you thought he could catch 100 balls. Uh, and uh, he's getting drafted at, like late in drafts, number 150 overall. I'm sure that's going to change. I'm sure you're going to have to go after him a little bit earlier now because as he continues to dominate the preseason for the Patriots and really establishes himself as the number one target um, outside of the tight ends, I mean, he's going to go earlier in these drafts. But I agree 100% with Henry. Draft Jacoby Myers. Uh, but we can do this, the sports betting question of the week. We'll take a look at that coming up next. All right, Henry, this is the part of the show where I usually uh, talk about pulling up my app, but I don't really talk about what the app is. You know, I kind of got to keep that secretive because, you know, you got to have partnerships and all that stuff. You got to be careful about what you say. But I can now actually talk about the app with the USA Today Network. So uh, it's the Tipico Sportsbook app. So check that thing out. Uh, That's where we'll be getting all of our odds for the podcast going forward. And uh, the odds on the Tipico app for the Patriots to reach the playoffs. Uh, yes, plus 115, no, minus 140. So the Pats a slight underdog to make the playoffs this year with a 17-game regular season. And as we've been talking about, Henry, Mac Jones kind of ascending. And, you know, even if the Patriots start with Cam Newton, there's a good chance we see Mac Jones at some point this year, and he could be leading the team as we get into November and December. And that's kind of exciting to think about, especially with the trajectory that he's on. So... What do you think about these odds, buying or selling the Patriots being an underdog to make the playoffs? As much as Mac Jones is ascending, I do wonder how effective the Patriots' offense will be because he may be an upgrade over Cam Newton but and even maybe better than Daniel Jones, but the, those aren't really like all that impressive of comparisons. Cause, I mean, those two guys are the, among the worst <laughs> quarterbacks in the NFL. Yes. Uh, last season. And I think that Hunter Henry's been hurt a lot. John Smith's not really involved in the offense yet. Nelson Aguilar, not really involved in the offense yet. Kendrick Bourne, kind of just contributing on like seven-yard slants. We just haven't really seen this offense mesh in the way that it needs to. I'm a little concerned whether it's Cam Newton or Mac Jones starting week one these Patriots are going to fall into a bit of a hole. I do think they will be coming out of that hole in the second half of the season. I also think they can make the playoffs. So, I don't know. I think if you're a Patriots fan, I, you know, I, I like taking that bet because it'll be, it'll be a, a fun ride if everything I just said is true. I will say, don't despair if by week four, you know, Tom Brady just beat up on... Matt Jones and the Patriots 
and they're only like one and three. You know, I think I think they're going to have a slow start. The 17 game season does give them an opportunity to really be a second half team because second half, depending on how you cut it, could be nine games. <laughs> right. Um, right. So take the Patriots to make the playoffs, especially if you're a Patriots fan. I like it, yeah, and, and believe me, pencil in the loss in week four. There's no way Tom Brady's coming to Foxborough and he's not going to lay a whooping on the on the Pats that day. It's just a foregone conclusion. Unfortunately, we have to just uh, we have to take that one. But um, excellent chat today, Henry. I thought you know gave us a little bit of an inside look at joint practices with the Giants, which is which is always great. I thought that was great content. Uh, interesting that the uh, joint practices are in Foxborough and then. The teams head to New York or East Rutherford for the game. Well, that's a that's a little strange, but you're not complaining, right? Because you got to be there, so that's, that's yeah, that worked out well exactly. for you. <laughs> they come to us rather than me having to yeah. go down to them. So. That, that's Belichick being like, "Screw off, Joe Judge. Get your team over here. I'm not coming to New York." You know what I mean? Like it's so good. It's so good. But looking forward to wrapping up the preseason and talking about the regular season. We'll get into all that next week. Talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.